good morning to each one. I want to greet you in Jesus' precious name. It has been a blessing to be here and worship with you all this morning. I enjoyed the Sunday school hour and also the singing here before the message was a blessing. I also want to thank you all for your prayers. It is kind of a stretch to, to be here, but we are glad to be here with you. The message that I felt led to share this morning is on a subject that we all deal with, and we even talked about it some in our Sunday school lesson today, and it's about choices. Each of us have choices to make in life. Every day we make a choice. This morning you made a choice to come here, and we are glad you did. We are glad you are here. And as we look back in Scripture, we see, you know, everybody made choices, and we see the outcomes of what those decisions, those choices were in different people's lives. And we think of Paul and how against the church he was at the beginning of his life that we have recorded in Scripture, and yet once God stopped him and got a hold of him, he made a choice to follow God, and it just turned him completely around, and he was just such a wonderful missionary and someone that we can look back to and, and learn so much from because he was dedicated to following God. He chose to follow God. And we can look at many other men. I've chosen to go back into the Old Testament. And there are a father and son back there that made two different choices. And we can see how it affected them in such drastically different ways. So I want to look at the life of Jonathan. He is one of my favorite Bible characters. But as we look at the choices that his father made, it saddens us to see the bitterness and so on that he had, but it was his choice. So the title of the message this morning is The Choice is Yours. Clear back in Genesis, God gave us as men and women the ability to choose. He gave instructions. He gave Adam and Eve instructions not to eat of a certain tree. And yet Satan tempted them, and they yielded to that temptation. It was their decision, their choice to yield, and there was consequences, just like God said there would be. So the choice was theirs, and you and I today have choices to make. So we're going to be looking at um, quite a bit of scripture in 1 Samuel as we look at the life of Saul and Jonathan, kind of focusing more on Jonathan's life, but I feel like there is such, such a contrast between the two, Saul and Jonathan, that we'll look at Saul's life, it will give us some background as to what Jonathan faced growing up. and and then um, also allow us to see how those choices that, that Saul made affected him. You know, many people um, say, well, I'm affected by the choices that my parents made or the things that they did or what other people did to me, and so that's why I am the way I am, instead of taking, um, uh, making a decision today that, you know what, no matter what has happened in the past, it is up to me today to make correct choices, to, to follow God. 
I'm going to begin in 1 Samuel 9, 18. And here we see that Saul began his service as somewhat of a humble man. And, and most of this scripture is familiar to, to all of us. And so what I'll be sharing isn't necessarily new, but yet I believe it's very good reminders for us. <clears throat> so if we look at verses 18 to 21, we see that Saul wanted to go find the seer. He was out looking for his dad's donkey, so he was being a, a good son and trying to find the donkeys that were lost, but they couldn't find them. And so he said, well, let's go see if we can find some help. So they wanted to find Samuel. And so if we look, start at verse 18, it says, Then Saul drew near to Samuel in the gate and said, Tell me, I pray thee, where the seer's house is. And Samuel answered Saul and said, I am the seer. Go up before me into the high place, for ye shall eat with me today and tomorrow, and I will let thee go, and I will tell thee all that is in thine heart. And as for thine asses that were lost three days ago, set, no, set not thy mind on them, for they are found. And on whom is all the desire of Israel? Is it not on thee and all of thy father's house? And then we see Saul's response to this. So, so Saul has his question answered here. The donkeys were found, but Samuel still has more things to say to him. And says there in verse 20 about... Um, and whom is all the desire of Israel? Is it not on thee? They were wanting a king. And Saul responds in verse 21 and says, And Saul answered and said, Am I not a Benjamin, the smallest of the tribes of Israel, and of my family the least of all the families of the tribe of Benjamin? Wherefore then speakest thou so to me? So we see a, a fairly humble response in Saul at this time. And we also know the account in the next chapter starting at verse 21, where they go to, Samuel goes to anoint Saul as king, and they can't find him. <clears throat> when he had caused the tribe of Benjamin to come near by the families, the family of Matri, Matri was taken, and Saul, the son of Kish, was taken. And when they sought him, he could not be found. Therefore they inquired of the Lord farther, if the man should yet Come thither. And the Lord answered, Behold, he hath hid himself among the stuff. So, so Saul wasn't just jumping up and down for joy, saying, Yes, I'm chosen. I'm going to be a leader. No, he was, he was hiding. He appeared to be somewhat humble, didn't feel like, um, like he needed to be the one out in front leading. But as we continue on learning more about Saul, we see that his actions changed. We skip on ahead to 1 Samuel 13, and we read um, verses 1 through 4. <clears throat> we see something happening here. Saul reigned one year, and when he had reigned two years over Israel, Saul chose him 3,000 men of Israel, whereof 2,000 were with Saul in Mishmash, and in the Mount Bethel, and 1,000 were with Jonathan and Gibeon of Benjamin. And the rest of the people he sent every man to his tent. So Saul had men with him, 2,000 and 1,000 with Jonathan, his son. Verse 3, And Jonathan smote the garrison of the Philistines that was in uh, Geba, and the Philistines heard of it. And Saul blew the trumpet throughout all the land, saying, Let the Hebrews hear. And all Israel heard say that, Who? 
Saul had smitten a garrison of the Philistines, and that Israel also was had an abomination with the Philistines, and the people were called together after Saul to Gilgal. So I don't want to say too much against Saul here, but yet it appears that even though Jonathan, his son, was the one that defeated that garrison of the Philistines, Saul was the one receiving the praise. He said, let all Israel hear that Saul defeated them, not his son, Jonathan. And I know sometimes as we work together or whatever, sometimes we say, well, we did this this past week, which it included other people with us. So I realize those types of things can happen. But here, to me, it almost seems like we see the beginning of Saul's making choices to, to exalt himself rather than giving honor, giving praise to his son who really had done the work. <clears throat> Let's move farther along. We'll uh, read the, the next few verses, verses 5 to 14. And it will kind of lead us up to, to a difficult decision that Saul needed to make. <clears throat> Excuse me. And the Philistines gathered themselves together to fight with Israel, 30,000 chariots and 6,000 horsemen. So it was a huge group. And these were the Philistines. And people, as the sand which is on the seashore in multitude, and they came up and pitched in Mishmash eastward from Beth, Beth-Avon. When the men of Israel saw that they were in a strait, for the people were distressed, then the people hid, did hide themselves in caves and in thickets and in rocks and in high places and in pits. And some of the Hebrews went over Jordan to the land of Gade, or Gad and Gilead. As for Saul, he was yet in Gilgal, and all the people followed him, trembling. So you see the people that were with Saul were very scared. The Philistines, there was such a great number of them coming, and, um, or were there, and the people that were with Saul were hiding and scared and trembling. And he tarried there seven days according to the set time that Samuel had appointed, He was supposed to wait there, and then Samuel would come and and offer sacrifices. But Samuel came not to Gilgal, and the people were scattered from him. So the longer Saul waits, the worse things get. The people start leaving him, and, and he's worried. Samuel's not showing up. Samuel's supposed to be here. And so Saul takes some some things into his own hands instead of waiting. And Saul said, bring hither a burnt offering to me and peace offerings. And he offered the burnt offerings. And it came to pass that as soon as he had made an end of offering the burnt offering, behold, Samuel came and Saul went out to meet him that he might salute him. And Samuel said, what hast thou done? And Saul said, Because I saw that the people were scattered from me, and that thou camest not within the days appointed, and that the Philistines gathered themselves together at Mishmash, therefore said I, The Philistines will come down now upon me to Gilgal, and I have not made supplication unto the Lord. So I forced, or I forced myself, therefore, and offered a burnt offering. And Samuel said to Saul, Thou hast done foolishly. Thou hast not kept the commandment of the Lord thy God, which he commanded thee. For now would the Lord have established thy kingdom upon Israel forever. But now thy kingdom shall not continue. The Lord hath sought him a man after his own heart. And the Lord hath commanded him to be captain over his people, because thou hast not kept that which the Lord commanded thee. And Samuel arose and got him up from Gilgal into Gibeah of Benjamin. And we'll stop there for now. But 
we see again that Saul had this choice. He was in a difficult place and he had a decision to make. He was told to wait for Samuel and yet he decided, no, the people are scattering from me. I better go ahead. This is day seven. Samuel's still not here. I'm going to offer the sacrifice. And it displeased God. And as Samuel talked to him and told him that the kingdom would be taken from him because of this decision that he made. <clears throat> so that gives us a little background into Jonathan's life, some of the things that he would have experienced with his dad. So I want us to think a little bit more on Jonathan and the decisions that he made. How did he respond to the things that happened to him already? Was he bitter? We talked about bitterness in Sunday school today. Did this cause him to become bitter and to run, to leave? Or how did he respond? What are some of the characteristics that we find in Jonathan? Some of the things that I noted in his life as I studied his life is he was a courageous man. He was very courageous. He was humble. He was faithful. He was friendly. And I want to look at some of those characteristics here this morning. How courageous was Jonathan? We already know that he had moved on ahead um, previously to fight, fight that garrison. And in... Uh, Chapter 14, verse 1, we'll see some of the next things that he did. That shows his, how courageous he, he was, how he was bold and ready to do what God wanted him to do. 14.1, Now it came to pass upon a day that Jonathan the son of Saul said unto the young man that bare his armor, Come, and let us go over to the Philistine garrison that is on the other side, but he told not his father. Then we'll skip down to verse 16, I mean 6, and read through verse 16. And Jonathan said to the young man that bare his armor, Come, and let us go over unto the garrison of these uncircumcised. It may be that the Lord will work for us, for there is no restraint to the Lord to save by many or by few. And his armor bearer said unto him, Do all that is in thine heart. Turn thee, behold, I am with thee according to thy heart. And he said to Jonathan, Behold, we excuse me. Then said Jonathan, Behold, we will pass over unto these men, and we will discover ourselves unto them. If they say thus unto us, Tarry until we come to you, then we will stand still in our place, and will not go up unto them. But if they say thus, Come up unto us, then we will go up. For the Lord hath delivered them into our hand, and this shall be a sign unto us. So we see Jonathan discussing with his helper, armor bearer, the plan of action that they're going to take. It was very clear to both of them what they would do depending on the response of these men that were up on this steep hillside. And we'll note how steep it is here in just a little bit. So if they say, come on up, we'll go up. If they say, just wait there, we'll wait. So it was, it was very clear instruction. 
And both of them discovered themselves unto the garrison of the Philistines. And the Philistines said, Behold, the Hebrews come forth out of the holes where they had hid themselves. <clears throat> and the men of the garrison answered Jonathan and his armor bearer and said, Come up to us and we will show you a thing. And Jonathan said unto his armor bearer, Come up after me, for the Lord hath delivered them into the hand of Israel. And Jonathan climbed up upon his hands and upon his feet. So it seems like he was down on all fours. It was a fairly steep embankment. And his armor bearer after him. And they fell before Jonathan, and his armor bearer slew after him. And that first slaughter which Jonathan and his armor bearer made was about 20 men within, as it were, an half acre of land which a yoke of oxen might plow. And there was trembling in the host, in the field and among all the people, the garrison and the spoilers, they also trembled, and the earth quaked so that it was a very great trembling. And the watchmen of Saul and Gibeah of Benjamin looked, and behold, the multitude melted away, and they went on, beating down one another. So this put such fright in the camp of the Philistines that they began hurting and fighting one another. And, and Saul, the watchman, Saul's watchman, noticed that this was happening. And he inquires what is going on. But, but as we look back and see the courage that Jonathan had to step forward and to, to be ready to go when God asked him to go, he had a plan in place, and he was sure that God would deliver the Philistines or this garrison, this part of the Philistines, into his hands. But yet he, he waited and received or, or, or noted to see how the men would respond and then said, if they respond this way, we'll do this. If not, we'll do that. And, um, and we'll obey God. We'll seek him and do what he wants us to do. I just can't quite imagine being Jonathan <clears throat> and going up to that hillside knowing there's all these men up on top. And they're looking down on him and then waiting for their response. So Jonathan and his armor bearer show themselves, and then he waits for them to respond. And then it's such a steep climb that they're down on all fours climbing up, such a vulnerable state that they were in. And yet Jonathan's confidence was in God, and he was ready to move forward. Let's go ahead and read a few more verses that kind of show us what ended up taking place as we read verses 17 to 23. Um, back in verse 15, it, it talks about the earth quaking, and, and this was very frightening to the Philistines, and so it was definitely God's hand here. The NIV says um, that it was a panic sent by God. And so we definitely see God's hand in this. So as we continue reading, keep that in mind. Verses 17 to 23. Then said Saul unto the people that were with him, Number now and see who is gone from us. Remember, he didn't know that Jonathan had even left. And when they had numbered, behold, Jonathan and his armor bearer were not there. And Saul said unto Ahiah, Bring hither the ark of God, for the ark of God was at that time with the children of Israel. And it came to pass while Saul talked Unto, unto the priest, <clears throat> excuse me, <clears throat> that the noise that was in the host of the Philistines went on and increased. And Saul said unto the priest, Withdraw thine hand. 
And Saul and all the people that were with him assembled themselves, and they came to battle. And behold, every man's sword was against his fellow, and there was a very great discomfiture. So much confusion in, in the camp of the Philistines. Moreover, the Hebrews that were with the Philistines before that time, which went up with them into the camp from the country road about, even they also turned to be with the Israelites. So they turned back to help the Israelites, even though they had been with the Philistines that were with Saul and Jonathan. Likewise, all the men of Israel, which had hid themselves in Mount Ephraim, when they heard that the Philistines fled, even they also followed hard after them in the battle. So the Lord saved Israel that day, and the battle passed over into Beth Haven. So again, we see a great victory that God performed, and it really seems like it was because Jonathan was willing, willing to step forward <clears throat> and to do his part. So I want to encourage each of us to do the same today. You know, we need to be men of courage who are willing to stand up like Jonathan did, to speak up and in faith move forward. It is so easy at least it is for me, to, to hope or allow that someone else will kind of lead out and then I'll follow, I'll be the support and come after. But we need men that are willing to stand up and move forward, that are ready for action. Men that are bold, ready to speak, even if we are alone. Another characteristic that we find in Jonathan is that he was a humble man. If we skip on ahead to chapter 17. Chapter 17 is the account of David defeating Goliath, killing Goliath. And then in chapter 18, verses 1 through 7, Saul is interviewing him. And it appears Jonathan is right there. So this was after David had killed Goliath, and he's there before Saul. And it came to pass when, um, I want to start at verse 1 of chapter 18. It came to pass when he had made an end of speaking unto Saul, that the soul of Jonathan was knit with the soul of David, and Jonathan loved him as his own soul. Now, I don't know how much interaction they had before this. David would have been around some, possibly playing the harp and so on for, for Saul, but Somehow, there was a special um, love that was shared. Jonathan noted um, that David was someone different, someone that he appreciated. And Saul took him that day and would not let him go no more home to his father's house, talking about David. Then Jonathan and David made a covenant because he loved him as his own soul. And Jonathan stripped himself of the robe that he was of the robe that was upon him and gave it to David and his garments even to his sword and to his bow and to his girdle. And David went out whithersoever Saul sent him and behaved himself wisely and Saul sent him over the men of the war and he was accepted in the sight of all the people and also in the sight of Saul's servants. And it came to pass as they came when David was returned from the slaughter of the Philistines that the women came out of the cities of Israel singing and dancing to Meet the, to meet King Saul with tabrets and with joy and with instruments of music. And the women answered one another as they played and said, 
Saul has slain his thousands and David his ten thousands. Saul wasn't very pleased with with that. Once again, we can read on and see his response. But I want us to especially note verses 1 through 4. This special friendship that Jonathan had with David. Here we see that Jonathan must have noticed something special about David. And as I tried to picture this in my mind, thinking about what was taking place here, here we have Prince Jonathan. He was next in line to be king. He was his dad's right-hand man. And we have already noted that he was a good leader and had defeated the Philistines, had led out in, in that. But suddenly this poor shepherd boy, David, appears and defeats a giant, and everyone is noticing David and appreciating what he has done, and Jonathan isn't hardly even noticed anymore. How would that make you feel? How would you respond to that situation? Is it easy when someone unknown to most of you, unknown to us, shows up and all of a sudden they are getting all the attention because of something wonderful that they did? They're becoming popular. And then we, then I, almost go unnoticed. That's what's happening here. That's what happened to Jonathan, it seems. Why do you think Jonathan was attracted to David? You know, right at this point, he had a choice to make. Is he going to despise David, reject David, be David's enemy? We don't see that happening. We see Jonathan accepting him as a friend, appreciating him. Maybe one of the reasons that Jonathan could do this was because he saw David was a man that was following God, a man that was courageous like he was himself. He was a man willing to stand up and to move forward, just like Jonathan had done earlier. And so the soul of Jonathan was knit with the soul of David. Jonathan appreciated David, appreciated what he, he did, what he stood for, and the faith that he had in God. I also find it interesting that it says they established a covenant there in verse 3. And I don't know what all this covenant meant, and maybe we could find out. I didn't research it far enough. But it's interesting that the things that he did here, it says that Jonathan took off his robe that was on him and gave it to David along with his sword and his bow and his girdle. And so what all did this signify? What was going through Jonathan's mind at this point when he, when he did this? Did he realize at this point that here is David? David will be the king next. And so he is just recognizing that and, and kind of turning that right, that privilege over to him. I don't know. I don't know how soon Jonathan realized that David would be the next king instead of him. But we don't see reluctance. We don't see um, hatred because of this. We just see love and care. What a friendship they had. Probably most of us would like to experience or have a friendship like that, and hopefully, hopefully you do. But we see Jonathan just very willingly showing love, care, 
and, and, and submitting to God's will in what was happening. If we want a friendship similar to this one, we need to be willing to give of ourselves and serve our friend. Someone once said, you can make more friends in two months by becoming interested in other people than you can in two years by trying to get other people interested in you. And I believe that's so true. How interested are we in other people? Do we really care about other people and about what they're going through? And if we truly care, we will become friends. Bradley mentioned earlier about many years ago when I first walked into Berea School and I didn't know anybody in, the, in that class, basically no one. I, I knew one person a little bit, but um, Bradley befriended me. He was so kind and he cared. Even though I grew up in, in another state, didn't know anybody, but that friendship developed because he cared and showed interest in me and I have appreciated that very much. If we hop on, uh, go ahead to chapter 20. There was another covenant that was established between Jonathan and David. There's a number of verses here, but I think we will read them just to Help us realize and remember what was going on. And it's becoming very evident what was happening here. So chapter 20, verses 1 through 17. You know, Saul had been out trying to kill David. He wanted to get rid of David. And yet at the same time, Jonathan is continuing to be a friend. <clears throat> And David fled from Naioth in Ramah and came and said before Jonathan, What have I done? What is mine iniquity? And what is my sin before the, thy father that he seeketh my life? And he said unto him, God forbid that thou shalt not die. Behold, my father will do nothing, either great or small, but that he will show it me. And why should my father hide this thing from me? It is not so. So Jonathan didn't want to believe that, that Saul really was wanting to kill David. And David swore moreover and said, Thy father certainly knoweth that I have found grace in thine eyes. And he said, Let not Jonathan know this, lest he be grieved. But truly, as the Lord liveth, and as thy soul liveth, there is but a step between me and death. Then said Jonathan unto David, Whatsoever thy soul desireth, I will even do it for thee. So we definitely see a commitment there. And David said unto Jonathan, Behold, tomorrow is the new moon, and I should not fail to sit with the king at meat. But let me go, that I may hide myself in the field unto the third day at even. If thy father at all miss me, then say, David earnestly asks leave of me, that he might run to Bethlehem, his city. For there is a yearly sacrifice there for all the family. If he say thus, it is well, thy servant shall have peace. But if he be very wroth, then be sure that evil is determined by him. Therefore thou shalt deal kindly with thy servant, for thou hast brought thy servant into a, into a covenant of the Lord with thee. Notwithstanding, if there be in me iniquity, slay me thyself. 
for why shouldest thou bring me to thy father? And Jonathan said, Far be it from thee, for if I knew certainly that evil were determined by my father to come upon thee, then would not I tell it thee? Then said David to Jonathan, Who shall tell me? Or what if thy father answer thee roughly? And Jonathan said unto David, Come, and let us go out into the field. And they went out, both of them, into the field. And Jonathan said unto David, O Lord God of Israel, when I have sounded my father about tomorrow any, any time or the third day, and behold, if there be a good toward David, and I then send not unto thee and show it thee, the Lord do so much more to Jonathan. But if it please my father to do thee evil, then will I show it thee and send thee away that thou mayest go in peace, and the, fa and the Lord be with thee, as he hath been with thy, my father. And thou shalt not only, while yet I live, show me the kindness of the Lord, that I die not, but also that thou shalt not cut off thy kindness from, thy, from my house forever. No, not when the Lord hath cut off the enemies of David, every one of them, from the face of the earth. So Jonathan made a covenant with the house of David, saying, Let the Lord even require it at the hand of David's enemies. And Jonathan caused David to swear again, because he loved him, for he loved him as he loved his own soul. So again, we see another covenant being established. And we also see this friendship just kind of continuing, a commitment made between them. But here with this covenant, I believe uh, Jonathan was concerned that his family... Um, or his son would be killed because he was realizing, I believe, that David was going to be the next king. And often, if a king took over, all the relatives of the prior king would be, would be killed. But Jonathan didn't want that to happen, and David didn't want it to either. And so they made a covenant that he would not kill Jonathan's offspring. Later on in verse 30 to 34, we see Saul's response to Jonathan. Was he okay that David was gone? Or not? Verse 30, then Saul's anger was kindled against Jonathan, and he said unto him, Thou son of the perverse, rebellious woman, do not I know that thou hast chosen the son of Jesse to thine own confusion and unto the confusion of thy mother's nakedness? For as long as the son of Jesse liveth upon the ground, thou shalt not be established, nor thy kingdom. Wherefore now send and fetch him unto me, for he shall surely die. And Jonathan answered Saul his father and said unto him, Wherefore shall he be slain? What hath he done? And Saul cast a javelin at him to smite him whereby Jonathan knew that it was determined of his father to slay David. So Jonathan arose from the table in fierce anger and did eat no meat the second day of the month, for he was grieved for David because, of his, fa because his father had done him, sh excuse me, him shame. So we see Saul's anger again rekindled, and he's getting so upset that he was even ready to kill his own son, tried to kill his own son with that javelin. So uh, Jonathan goes and, and sends David away. And they say their goodbyes in verses 41 and 42, and I don't think we'll take time to look at that. But, but we just see a friendship, a humble friendship 
that Jonathan chose to have with David. And even though his, his dad didn't appreciate it, his dad was very much against it, yet Jonathan was willing to continue to have that friendship and to care about David. How can we have an attitude like Jonathan had? You know, he was more concerned about his relationship with God, being in God's will, than he was concerned about his popularity or, or what he would get if he would somehow be able to be king. That wasn't his goal. That wasn't what drove him. What drove him was a desire to live for God. He chose to live for God. He chose to be a friend to his dad's enemy, to David. Romans 12, 3 says, For I say through the grace given unto me to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, according as God hath dealt to every man the measure of faith. That's exactly what God wants us to do, to think soberly, not to think of ourselves more highly, like we are someone great, but to think soberly and live according to what God wants. Be willing to follow God. I believe Satan tries so hard to give us a desire to strive for popularity or to do things so well so that we can be number one, that it is sometimes to settle for the number, number two position or to, to just be a, a servant and to be a helper. But my desire is that we would be more concerned about being in God's will and doing what he calls us to do, just like Jonathan was willing to do, being submissive to God. And even though he wasn't going to be able to be king, he said, that's okay. And just wanted to do what God wanted him to do. Also have to think about what Jesus said in John 15, 12 to 14. This is my commandment, that ye love one another as I have loved you. Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friend. Ye are my friends, if ye do whatsoever I command you. And again, we see Jonathan kind of doing that. He just gave up the, the right that he had and submitted to God and, and loved David. Just a few more verses in chapter 31. We see that even through all of this, even though Saul was mistreating Jonathan and even tried to kill him at one point, Jonathan still was loyal to his dad, the king, until the end. And so in verses 1 through 4, we can read how his life ended. Now the Philistines fought against Israel and the men of Israel fled from before the Philistines and fell down slain in Mount um, Geboa. And the Philistines followed hard upon Saul and upon his sons and the Philistines slew Jonathan and Abina, Abinadab and Melchishu, Melchish, no, no. 
Melchishu, and Saul's sons. And the battle went sore against Saul, and the archers hit him, and he was sore wounded of the archers. Then Saul said unto, then said Saul unto his armor bearer, Draw thy sword and thrust me through therewith, lest these uncircumcised come and thrust me through and abuse me. But his armor bearer would not, for he was sore afraid. Therefore Saul took a sword and fell upon it. So what a sad ending to Saul's life and to Jonathan's. But yet we see that even though Saul had mistreated him, Jonathan was still loyal, still there with his dad until the end. Then I very much appreciate David's response. We'll just look at that real quick in the next chapter. Was David joyful, even though he had been fleeing from Saul all this time? 2 Samuel 1, verse 11 and 12. Then David took hold on his clothes and rent them. This is after he received the news that, that Saul was killed. And likewise, all the men that were with him, and they mourned and wept and fasted until even for Saul and for Jonathan his son and for the people of the Lord and for the house of Israel because they were fallen by the sword. So David too had a choice to make, and he chose to be sad. It very much was hard for him to think of what what had happened. And so as we go throughout life, we have choices to make every day. And no matter how different people treat us, we need to choose how we are going to respond. We have to think about Daniel and Daniel 1.8. But Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with a portion of the king's meat. So we need to purpose. We need to have that same desire that no matter what we face, we need to obey God rather than man. We need to choose to do what God wants me to do. Are you, am I willing to choose God and his way? Or are you going to try to continue doing it your own way? Or am I going to try to continue to do it, doing it my own way? You know, just this past week, there were things that went through my mind, difficult things that I had to kind of work through. And as I thought about this message this morning and about the choices that we need to make, the choices that I had to make, was I willing to submit to God and and what he wanted from me? Or was I going to, in some ways, become bitter or or, um, wonder why? Why me? Why do I need to face this? You know, I think it, it gets very close to home for most of us. Different times we face difficult things and we need to choose. Are we going to seek God and follow him? Turn the service back over to our brother. In the light.